myself out. I am afraid of I'm terrified and paralyzed by I am deathly afraid of Welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast with your host, me, Ryan Perio. Hello and welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Perio. This week, my guest is comedian and writer Kate Greathouse. Kate is a stand-up comic who also writes comedy and... She just got a sketch writing show at the Dallas Comedy Club for monthly starting in December. So go check out Dallas Comedy Club and check out her show where she will do a monthly sketch thing. I guess they call them reviews shows. There, It's going to be, she's, she does an amazing work. She's a very creative individual. Um, she basically is one of those people that can kind of do a different kind of comedy every time you see her. And so she's kind of a Jane of all trades. And we get into that in our episode. We talk about comedy a little bit. Then we talk about writing, as far as writing plays and things like that, which is another thing she's got in the works. And then we get into her fear of car wrecks, which is an interesting fear and kind of one of those fears that every time you get behind the wheel, it's just there. It may be something you just don't you know, realize. But let's get into my interview right now with Kate Greathouse. All right, my guest is comedian Kate Greathouse. Kate has been doing stand-up now for, what, four year, three to four years now? Oh, uh, I'm actually about two and a half. Two and a half. She, I've seen you at least for at least three to four, because I believe you came out to a few shows before you actually... No, no. My first experience with local comedy was getting on stage one time at a one nostalgia. Oh, wow! I yeah, I, it was kind of a bet. Well, that's interesting. So you you got bet you you kind of came in on a dare. Yeah, uh, I had been working theater for a couple of years, but never on stage. Never on stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I refused to ever get on stage. I wouldn't audition, but I, I did backstage stuff. I did props. I wrote my own play. Uh, I did stage management out the Wazoo, and then they kept saying, hey, you're really funny, you should try stand-up. And I was like, ah, no, because <laughs> I just really didn't want to be on stage. And eventually one of my friends just badgered me into it and kind of double-dog dared me, and uh, it ended up being something I really enjoyed. So so what do, you, what do you think kept you out of the center stage like while you were doing theater? What kept you kind of in the backstage area? Well, I, I enjoyed... I enjoyed backstage. I still, I still to this day work theater jobs backstage. I, I, but I just truly love the art and the craft and the technicality stuff of it more so than I like trying to recite somebody else's stuff. I think uh, what brought me to stand up was the ability to control all aspects of my own writing and performance. Mm-hmm. And I was always worried that I would just deliver a line wrong. I did a lot of work with Shakespeare companies, and if you do that wrong, everybody knows. Yeah. And yeah, so I, it was more just uh, I, I didn't want the pressure of having an entire like everyone else has to depend on me for the scene, you know, and now if I fuck up, the whole thing falls apart. Now, if I fuck up, I just fall apart. You know? Yeah. Boy, do you or do we a period as anybody <laughs> I've I've there's been many nights I've come home just and just been, I guess, almost PTSD feelings about my set of oh, the night. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I've I've had some bad ones. (laughs) So what would you say the difference is between 
writing a play and then writing stand-up material? Well, I mean, obviously, I mean, the, the method of delivery is completely different. Uh, stand-up, you're not expected to maintain the same narrative for an hour and a half. So you, you can try a lot more. But honestly, it's and this is, this is a crude way to put it. But I often say that writing plays to me was like cocaine, but stand-up ended up being like crack. Because it's such an immediate feedback. Like, I can, I can write a joke in a play. I'm actually, I'm rewriting my play right now so we can start on next year. Mm-hmm. And I can write a joke and I can leave it there for four months until we get to read through it. And then in four months, I'll know if that joke works or if I have to rewrite it. Mm-hmm. Whereas stand-up, I could write a joke and go out tonight and figure it out. I see. So it's it's more of the, so play, it's pretty much the same thing, but it's more of a, I guess, longer draw for the Much, play. much. And I mean, you're, you're worried about different voices, you know, the way that actors are going to do this. You have that, there's always a film of, are they going to say this right? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. letting other people apply your vision. Exactly. And that's terrifying. And now that I do comedy, I'm like, oh, why did I start? <laughs> and you, you do, when you, when I watch you perform it, you're, you're definitely very theatrical. I feel like there is a theater quality to the performance you do because you're not, you're not beholden, I feel, to one stand-up style. Like, I can see you kind of, you can be the one-liner. You can have one-liner here, but then you can have a story here. Then you can have kind of an impersonation. So you're kind of like a Jane. I would say, oh, Jane of all trades? Yes. Master of none. That's the thing. Yeah, but I, I feel like stand it benefits you, at least in stand-up. I don't know about playwriting, to not be you know, a, a master. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the entirety of my stand-up style and persona just came from me trying to pull the focus at theater parties. Like, cause I would be like, I'm going to tell this great story. And I learned really quickly that around those people, you have, you got to throw some jabby stuff in there mm-hmm. or else they'll lose interest. And so it just came from me trying to interact with people at theater parties. And then, so when I, when I got onto stage, finally, I had kind of a, a, a good stage idea of what I was doing. <laughs> Yeah, and it's super. Fa- I, I'm just fascinated by the fact that, as a theater person, that you know that again shied away for a lime night. That now you kind of you've adapted to work in the spotlight as a stand-up comic because it is you are basically the writer, producer, director, and star. Yeah. Of your own and play. The, the, the craziest thing is is that uh, tomorrow I'm I'm doing a sketch comedy competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I wrote, I wrote, I wrote and directed a sketch for it. I'm really excited. It's over at uh, Dallas Comedy Club. I'm very excited. I haven't done sketch writing in a long time. And I, when it came time to fill it with actors, I was like, well, I can play a role in this. That's fine. I don't have to find another person. And it still terrified me. And it's words that I wrote and have directed. And even I didn't want to be in the thing. Yeah. It is your character. There's something about, there's something about doing a character just like freaks me out. Yeah, and it's and it's a character you created too. So it's yeah, it's yeah. No, I felt the anxiety start to build inside of myself, where I was like, I'll just text a few more people and see if they want to do it. But I and I was like, why? I wrote it. I wonder if a lot of I would say relationships like wonder that too. Like if when they see like when when they see you like not, I guess. You're taking ownership in some ways, but you're not taking full ownership to actually be a part of it. Like you're, yeah. you're allowing other people to do kind of to take that in if they if they question it. Like where's you do you, like maybe you don't you know there's a drive issue or something that maybe maybe because I feel like so, some people could actually stereotype that as lazy or 
oh, she just wants to do this part of it. She doesn't want to do the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see an issue with just wanting to write, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I just I just want to write for stuff. I mean, that's, that's like my ultimate goal is just to write for TV. That's awesome. I, yeah, and some I and some people and that's just some people's passion. Some people just like the the work and don't like the the uh, I guess blossom. You know, they they like to, to grow the plant. They don't like to be the flower. Yeah. No. I mean, I'm. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm here for the caterpillar stages. You know. Yeah. Got no interest in being a butterfly. So. Is is your writing goal for comedy just TV jokes, or did you want to write for like a sketch show like SNL? Or uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't say no, but uh, honestly, I I would like to write my own sitcom someday. I I, I love. I mean, maybe not a typical you know three camera you know laugh track thing, but I just I love sitcoms. I think they're important. That's what my play is about, and like I just I think they're an important you know way to talk about things socially, and that they're really fun to write episode to episode, and I want to do it. Damn it. So is your play musical or is it just a straight spoken? It's a it's a straight play. Yeah, it's a, it's a straight play. Uh, I have no musical talent whatsoever. Okay. And I didn't even want to. I didn't even want to try to get in there. I tried to write a musical once, and it was just no. It was like I was like I don't have an ear or a brain for this. Uh, but no, my my play is a yeah, it's a straight play. It's a we call it a dark comedy, mm-hmm. and uh, it'll be back in it'll be back in some uh, theaters locally next spring. That's awesome. Yeah. And. Dark com for people that may not know, dark comedy is kind of just, I guess, making light of things like death and kind yeah. of the darker society where it, I would say, a, a very classical black comedy would be very bad things or, you know, something, yeah. something yeah. where people are, or the old, if you're even older, the movie Clue, where just yeah. people, oh, pe- absolutely. where people just slowly one by one kind of either meet their end or, something gruesome hap you know something you know bad happens but but it's we're still at the tone is so light that it's hard yeah. to take those things seriously yeah. and that's that's like that was my whole idea that's all i wanted to play with yeah like netflix's lock and key is kind of like that too like it's fairly dark yeah i keep hearing that recommended it's a very it's a dark series it's kind of it's kind of teeny-ish but it's a dark it's like it has dark i guess it's a kind of a dark show but <laughs> It's kind of it's really interesting. It's written by Stephen King's son, and so oh, oh well, I mean, I, I love Heart Shake Box. Yeah, like, I like Joe Hill's work. So yeah, Joe Hill wrote it's a it's a comic book basically of of this family that find has like a supernatural force on their property, and from that they have you know manufactured certain keys, and there's a dark entity that's trying to collect those keys for their own benefit. And so it's very honestly like I would, you had me at Joe Hill. I love that guy. Yeah. I, it, I probably read heart shaped box five times. That's awesome. Yeah. It's definitely something if you haven't checked it out, you might check out. Cause again, it kind of plays on that same dark comedy ish kind of thing of having, you know, some dark elements to what's going on. Hell yeah. So what else besides plays? What else do you in in comedy? What else do you find yourself? I guess just writing and yeah. I mean, uh, I'm actually you know I've been I've been writing some more sketches lately just because I really had fun doing it. I, I kind of sometimes I think about it as like cleaning out the pipes. I really have to get on these rewrites for my full length. But I've just been cranking out sketches lately, and I'm hoping maybe maybe at some point I'll be able to do something with some of them. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know maybe pitch a show. 
Yeah. I mean, you, I, I would say you could probably pitch a sketch show to Dallas Comedy House to see if you can do something, you know, like once a month. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I'm hoping for. Maybe a once monthly, give it a cutesy name, try and get, you know, a couple of stand-ups in there as well, just fill time. Yeah. Because I, I see you also on a lot of variety shows because we have a couple of of shared friends like yeah. uh, like Kristen who does, you know, she, she does a variety oh, yeah, show. The top, yeah, Top Soft. I actually had to drop that one because I got so sick like two days before. And I am legitimately upset because I, I just I was so looking forward to that. It was such an amazing like group of talented aerialists and fire people and I know fire people is not the correct term. Fire dancers. Fire people. And just oh no, it was it was it was honestly it was so like cool to watch during the rehearsals and everything and then bam, lost my voice. Yeah. Which I can And it wasn't it wasn't COVID. I had like a I I, I proudly have not had COVID, but like uh, it was a, a, I had an allergic reaction and it just tore up my throat and I was like, <laughs> and there's yeah. no way I could get on stage. Well, and sometimes that can happen. There's just, you know, there, there's all timing is everything. And, you know, not every, not one opportunity is absolute, but that's the kind of gigs that I usually kind of see you as like, you're on some of these gigs that may not be just straight comedy. Like it's yeah, like you're bringing comedy and maybe it may, it may be somewhat of a one woman sketch. That you're yeah, doing. I mean, and there is such a difference. Like, I'm almost embarrassed to admit this, but there's a huge difference. I've done I've done several variety shows at the Pocket Sandwich Theater, which was like my theater home. I love those guys. They're about to have to move locations, and I'm like, ah, oh, where are you going? Um, but no, I I've done several variety shows there, and I noticed that my set is different. Mm-hmm. Like the the everything about my delivery is a lot more like loose and big because I just know that that's you know that's this is the art this is the audience. have more fun when I allow myself to just take things a little bit more over the top, just like work from physicality and things like that. But sometimes at a club, it gets a little bit, a little bit more stifled just because you don't know where the audience is at. Yeah. But yeah. And it's, it's, you're one of my, my favorite, like I said, just to kind of catch a glimpse of just because it's always something I would say that's, that you're not this, you're not just doing the same material that maybe you're doing, you're, you're writing a bit about driving that maybe you're, you know, not, it's not even about, it's not even you. It's a character of you talking about driving versus a situation you actually experienced driving. It's you're able to, I would say like Mr. Rogers land of make believe (laughs) kind of bring it, you know, in certain scenarios, you're able to kind of, you know, bring it to that kind of, I would say outside the reality well, I'm, I'm not. I'm not there to tell you guys. Like, you know, I'm not there to give a police report. I'm there to have make people laugh. You yeah. know, like, yeah. If I got, if there, there's, I'm always dropping extraneous detail or adding things that you know happen the next day because, like, like I said, it's not. I'm not go doing it for the record. Yeah, but it's just so fascinating to 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 watch because so many people are either they're so self, I guess, self folk self centered or self indulgent that they will talk about themselves in the same the same pattern doing this either not the same bits but the same rhythm like it's always you know I, yes and that seems always seems a little eerie to me it's like oh where does the performance end yeah but it's and it, it just to me i feel like the audience then just can catch on and it that's why your jokes may not be as as good as they possibly can be because they've they've figured out every third word is now the punchline like yeah beat beat here you know and so it becomes a predictable kind of 
I guess, aura that you have that you, you'll get just moderate laughs because they know it's almost it becomes a laugh track. They know oh. it's like there's an, a laugh sign that illuminates on the stage <laughs> that says, oh, this is where this is where the joke is. And so Ooh, I try. I got to get, get sneakier. Well, it's a, but you vary the cadence. And again, because sometimes your stuff will be, you know, just a one liner or a self deprecating. Then the next thing will be a, you know, one minute story where you're, you almost dick, you know, narrate in the third person what's happening or you put yourself in a situation. And so you're, it's almost again, like you just have all these different delivery styles that just vary and it doesn't, it allows the audience not to take their, that you hold their attention because they don't know when your, the joke is, or, you know, they're, they're on the edge of their seat. You. This is a really wonderful, like, assessment. Oh my God. Well, I, I try to watch people, and it's it's fascinating to watch because your your significant other is kind of you know more of a you know I would say he kind of is uh, has a rhythm to him, but he has he talks about he absurdity almost like he's just a almost straight. I like, always call it benign absurdism. Yes, because he's almost like Stephen Wright, but it's you know kind of the absurd, but it's not as monotone. Yeah. Like if Stephen Wright, had, you know, had a personality, you know, on personality on stage, it, just, <laughs> it would, yeah. where he had a varied tempo and everything else. And it's just interesting to see, you know, even though you guys are together, that n- neither of you kind of mimic the other's style. That- oh, and, and we all, I mean, we pretty frequently will be like, you know, you could tag this joke with this and the other one will just go, no, that's a you joke. Yeah, and so that- we, we very much know that we have these very different styles. And as much as we try, you know, we talk comedy theory a lot, we're not, it's a household of comedians, so... We talk comedy theory a lot, but I, I'm I'm really kind of like impressed with myself that none of his style has crept over because I, I think he's hilarious. Yeah, I think, like I think he's the funniest person I've ever met. And then the fact that none of his style has crept over makes me kind of proud because I was assuming I would start, you know, at least getting more nasally on stage or wear Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> it's a good look. It is a very interesting look. Like he definitely looks like somebody that. It was a detective in the eighties, or you know, like a retired. I, I cop. believe, I, I believe we were once at an open mic that was very sparsely attended. And it was one of those middle of the day. I think it was uh, the Improv. You know, one of those middle of the day, nothing's going on open mics, and we had have to we had to leave a Father's Day barbecue at his aunt's house to go to this open mic, and I'm like, is this rude? I can't tell. And so we went up, and he's wearing just like an open Hawaiian shirt. We've been drinking. And I remember just getting up on stage and I was like, so I came here with the guy dressed as an exotic bird dealer. <laughs> and I immediately, I just felt so bad, but I thank God he laughed. And, and it, I just think it's one of the keys to having, I guess, a relationship when you're two performers is to be able to understand that sometimes things, things are about you, but it's still about the person on stage. Like you yeah. may, you may be the the butt of the joke, but, that's just their view. It doesn't mean that, you know, they've been, you know, holding in these feelings and stuff or there's. Needs- exactly. Yeah. And no, I love the Hawaiian shirts, but you know, that particular day it had a really Magnum PI vibe. Yeah. It's, so that it's, it's definitely, again, you have to have your own space and it's very, it's very, inf- it's fun to watch and to see, you know, certain people, you know, how they, they work together and collaborate and, if there's a piece of something that you feel the other person may have provided, but I don't, I don't get that from you two. And it's very, it's very interesting. And again, it shows that, you know, just if you have enough give and take, you can 
two comics can date. It's not some, you know, awful situation. I mean, Tom Segura is married to Christine, Christina Pazitsky. Exactly. And they exactly. make it work. And you don't see any of Tom Segura's, you know, style. And she talks about, you know, Tom Segura all the time in her set, as well as he does her. But they never. But it, it, it's, it's as an abstracted. In fact, I actually talked about this. It's like it's an it's an abstracted version of my girlfriend or yeah. my wife. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's 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 complete. It's, it's a character that has been created on stage that may have some similarities to you, but it's not you. Yeah. And so. It's it's comedy wife. You yeah. Know? And I appreciate you also because his because he was talking about being your fear of eating alive, and that you kind of instill inspired him to try to. To conquer it because he was saying that you try to, you know, face your fears so that they do not have any kind of power over you. Yeah, it's a big thing for me. It's a, I just, that was, it was part of what, you know, getting on stage as well. As I was like, well, I am afraid of this and I don't want to be afraid of anything. Mm-hmm. So let's go. So wh- where did that, where did that, I guess, instilled, I guess, I guess, desire to do that come from? Where did, where did that? This- uh, I, I was actually hospitalized in 2018 for a few days. And uh, I, I was ill. I got better, uh, but I was hospitalized. And while I was in there, I made I made a list of things that I was afraid of because I didn't I didn't want to come out of this experience a completely unchanged person. And I wanted to have a goal afterwards. I, I mean, I had lost my job while I was in the hospital, and I just didn't have a lot going on personally either in 2018. And so I, I was like, well, I'm not leaving this experience with nothing. I'm I'm I have a plan. Here's my plan. I'm gonna get over my fear of heights and then to get over my fear of stage fright. And then the third one was sensory deprivation tanks. And I still haven't done that one. Okay. That's a very interesting as, as well. Um, that's really cool though, that you're able to, you know, that you kind of, I guess, signed a new lease on life with a list basically. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was really important. And I mean, it still took me a little while to, to try comedy after that, but like I, I, I just, I had to change something. How is your fear of heights going? Oh, I, I turns out I'm I'm fine with heights. My problem was ladders, uh-huh. which like that's a completely different fear because I like heights is an abstract fear. Ladder is a concrete. I'm afraid of this mechanical object, and so mm-hmm. I just took a bunch of jobs doing lighting in theaters, like across DFW, and on those you got to get on the big ladders. And after a while, I got used to it. That's awesome. You yeah. that's not the fear you wanted. We we're going to discuss today, though. Uh, let's go ahead and no. say, tell people what you're afraid of. I am extremely afraid of getting into a major car accident. And here we go. This is very interesting because I think that's kind of a fear everybody has. I think there's just different things. Like for me, I feel like it's the financial ramifications that even though I make decent money, just the financial ramifications of either repair or insurance deductible or and that's that's the that's the longer fear out of a out of a car wreck is like oh not only did I have this like trauma or like get hurt and then like everything on a highway is smashed and that's a horrible situation you know whatever but then also I also this entire time I know it's going to be expensive yeah so it's like stress and fear use your blinkers you know yeah so how did this happen were you in like a major car accident and then and it. Uh, I've been in I've been in several, uh, nothing too huge. I was in a very major one as a child, but I don't remember it. Uh, but what happened was I got a job at an insurance agency, mm-hmm. working in the injury department, and I did not keep that job for very long. Um, I was rehospitalized after that job, 
but basically I, every single day looking at, you know, photos of smash cars and death reports and, and police reports and injury stuff and going through people's x-rays and talking to people on the phone who were in pain. And I, I had this massive commute to get to this job. Mm-hmm. Like I was driving an hour 10 to get to this job because it was pre-pandemic. And uh, I, for that hour 10 every day, it was both ways. It was like two hours a day in the car. I was white knuckling, just so afraid that like I, that I was going to just, you know, have to go do all this stuff that I do every day. Yeah. And so after a while, it got so bad. And so I, I no longer have that job. I work a place that is one mile away from my apartment. So I basically don't have a commute. You'd, but I still, anytime I get on the highway, I'm just like, that's that's very fascinating that it's it's just the it's basically just you see the just from looking at the ramification financial ram and I guess listening and hearing yeah. the the ramifications of the car accident. Yeah, it's just like you know you have to deal with it for so long, and so many people who talked to me and they were still kind of shook up, like still just like, and I just I don't I still not a hundred percent sure what happened, and I'm like ah oh, God I'm sorry, and it was just so it was like day after day of just like human parade of misery. Yeah. And uh, no, no, so now I'm just like, I'm so hyper aware of everything that goes into getting into a car wreck now that it just like stresses me out to drive too far. Well, that's good though. I mean, but at least you're somewhat, I guess, mentally prepared for what your steps are that somehow you can kind of, I guess, guide your way through it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, I, and I'm, I frequently, if a friend of mine gets in a car wreck, I'll be like, let me make the calls for you. I got you. You know, I, I can walk you. I, I have a, Somewhere on my Google Drive, I have a saved tutorial for how to get your shit together after a car wreck that I just put together for friends, and I'll email it to them after they get in a wreck. Yeah. Yeah. I have not been in a wreck, knock on wood, for, I think, about nine or ten years. and Oh. It's just, it's one of those things where as, as a comic and a performer, it's something you're, you know, you, you face because you drive so much. Like I've put 120,000 miles on my car. You know, oh yeah. No, my, my, before this car, cause this is a pandemic car, so it's still catching up. But no, I, I was, I was, I put like 60,000 miles a year on my car, just traveling around doing comedy. Yeah. And, it, and that was like on top of, you know, work commute. I like did the math. Yeah. It's a, it's definitely something again, I'm, I try to be somewhat aware and I try not to, you know, either one really speed or just try to, you know, be as careful as I possibly can and try to look and double look before I change lanes. And you know. And see, that's the worst part about this, like this fear of mine is that I'll still text and drive. Like at stoplights, you know, or just like a K, but like I'll, I, I still text and drive. Not a ton, but mm-hmm. it's like, I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, the one thing I could do to mitigate this, you know, on my five minute commute, to mitigate my fear of car wrecks, I just don't do it. Yeah. So is is the major is there location more? So is highway more of a I guess scared major collision issue than like yeah a intersection? Yeah, because you're going so fast. Yeah, you're <laughs> you're going. I mean, like you're going real fast. Like I I got into a wreck like not a month ago. It wasn't a major wreck. Like we didn't even report it to the insurance companies. Like, but like a guy basically just scraped across the front of my car because he was uh, changing lanes really quickly as I was trying to turn. 
And he just went Whoop, and just glanced off the front of my car. So it can happen anywhere. And I get that. But the highway one's freaking out. You, know, you drive past those wrecks on the highway and you're looking at just like the mangled, you know, remnants of a car and you're like, oh, bad day. Yeah. Yeah. Just, oh, I, I hope you're okay. And I know they're like, oh, God, this is going to be so rough. Yeah. So when you pass like a wreck, like the wreckage or whatever on the highway, what, how do you, I guess, kind of process that and just kind of, I guess, not get transfixed or overwhelmed with thoughts about it? I, I, I mean, I stare at wrecks. I like, I, I take in all the information. I'm just like, oh God, I wonder, I wonder how that happened and all that. And I've done that forever. I just want to, you know, it's crime scene investigation at that point. Yeah. But uh, for me, I, I mostly just, you know, I turn down my music. I, t- I pay a little bit more attention to who, who's in front of me because I know everybody else is rubbernecking as hard as I am. And uh, honestly, I mean, I just, I'm, a, I'm, I'm very much like, I'm not a fast lane driver. I'm, I'm just not. It freaks me out too much. People are weaving in and out. So. Mm-hmm. so you stay the speed limit. Do you try to find like side streets and stuff to get to places versus the highway? Are you that? highway I guess I'm not I'm no I'm more impatient than I am phobic so I mean I still again we live in Texas so really the only time I'm getting on the highway is if I have a gig in Fort Worth in which case I gotta get my ass over there or if I'm heading to you know maybe visit my parents or something in which Mm -hmm. case you know it takes 15 extra minutes to go five streets so I'm just like ah not worth it I'll I'll see if I die okay I just had a thought and I just completely lost it. Like I was like, <laughs> while you were talking, what was I thinking of about driving? So you said you're not a speeder. What about when other, that's what it was, when other people drive, how do you, do you get anxiety watching being a passenger in somebody's car that may or may not be as observant as you are? Yes. Yes. But like, there's an extra level of social anxiety that comes with trying to correct the person whose car you're in. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, I, a, a comedian and I took a road trip recently. We actually, we took a, we took a couple. We went out to Louisiana. We went up to Oklahoma City. We just kept getting booked on the same shows. And I love her. She's fantastic. She's a great road trip buddy. Her car has that little thing that beeps if you drift over to one lane. And so the entire trip, it's just beep, 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 beep. And you don't want to say, oh, my God, what are you doing? Please pay attention for Christ's sake. Because, I mean, like, they're giving you a ride. Mm-hmm. But, uh, no, I mean, with people I'm very close with, it's not uncommon for if they're looking at their phone or not paying attention. I'll be like, do you want me to send that text for you? Like, I'll take things out of people's hands. <laughs> so you take the mom approach. like the, I, I'm, uh, Yeah, let me, oh, I'm mom hard. You let's Let's see if we can, you know, I'll do some of this for you if you need. Just please keep your eyes on the road. Have you been the passenger in an accident? Like we're actually no, not 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 in a really long time. Not since I was a child. Um, we got into we got into a couple of wrecks when I was a kid, uh, but that I was the passenger in. And uh, but no, no. I mean, honestly, I, I guess maybe. Yeah, I guess like I don't really, you know, I'm really usually the one driving when I'm in an accident. So maybe I should really, you know, stop correcting other people. <laughs> it, well, but I mean, sometimes it's just, it's one of those things where you just, there you can't avoid it. And that's the ones that scare, like I'd be afraid of is that something's happening and doesn't matter where I go or how quickly I can stop. It's just right too close in proximity to where I cannot get out of this unscathed. And that's, that's happened to my mom a few years ago. She was at a stoplight 
and a car flew and hit her car. It was like a bad turn off a highway. And so she was just at a stoplight and it, it crushed the entire front of her car and bounced off. That's So like, yeah, six feet, six feet. And, and uh, she says that to me and then she's like, yeah, I can't wait to get a rental and go drive around some more. But, you know, some people just that's their freedom. And, you know, you, you there's there's definitely the initial shock. Like I, you know, have to to really gather myself and. I have. Since I'm kind of somewhere on the spectrum, like whenever something like that happens to me, it just constantly I just constantly relive it and I constantly try to think of what I could have done differently. Oh, Yeah. Like, I, you know, if I had checked five seconds, you know, if I, if I had waited a little bit longer before pulling forward, oh, there we go. You know, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it, it'll be it's a constant. It's worse than like when you say the wrong thing at a party, because like you say the wrong thing at the party. That's just awkward. You say the, you do the wrong thing in your car. That's like 500 bucks, man. Yeah. Plus, it's, you know, injuries and everything else that it could yeah. happen with it. It's and it's such a it, the thing about it, I think it more than anything for me is just the it's not it's out of my control because I'm. I'm such a low key control freak that there's nothing I could have done different. And other people are bad drivers. Like I admit it, but like other people are bad at this. Have you been out there? Yeah. Like on the roads? Oh yeah. No, it's, it's, it's the wild west out there. Nobody uses their blinker. Well that and people I know that ride motorcycles. I'm like, how can you in, in this day and age ride something that, so open when nobody else is like paying attention to the road at all. Yeah, no. A motorcycle is a hard no for me. I got it on the back of a moped once and I'm good. <laughs> you the only rode moped once and that was it? My older brother had a moped <laughs> and one time he let me ride on the back of it before uh he eventually I think pawned it. What was that like? Uh it it, it maxed out about thirty miles an hour. We went up the street that we lived on and then back down the street that we lived on. And I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. I was eight. Mm-hmm. I was eight years old. And ever since then, I'm like, good. Nope. Did the moped. I don't need to get on. I don't need to get on a motorcycle. Thank you. And those scare me too. Cause they come so fast. And sometimes like when you're driving, like they just, and they'll just go everywhere. Like you, oh, the scooter people too. Well, I'm just talking about like a racing motorcycle people. That, oh, the motorcycles. Yeah. Oh, no. But for me, city driving is the scooter people. For me, I'm. Oh man, like you, you know, you pull up to a crosswalk and one of those scooters just like. Rrr. Yeah. Yeah, I hate that. Like that. That's a motorized vehicle. Get it off the sidewalk. Yeah. But they, uh, yeah, the motorcycles where they're coming at eighty to ninety miles an hour, and they're just, you don't know which lane. And sometimes they'll go in between lanes, and you're just like. And I can never remember which way the hand signal is. Cause, like they'll do the hand signal, but I'm like, I don't know which one is left and right when you do these hand signals. It's I think it's the right arm and it's right arm extended to do the right turn, right arm up perpendicular for left. Oh, I guess that is kind of how the turn signal works. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I, th- I guess that is right. It That is the down for right, up for left. So, yeah. Practice. But it's very, it's, it's, they're, they're terrifying because it's, it's one of those things where sometimes they'll cut through and you're just like, all, oh, they just and clip like, your car. Can you see well enough in a motorcycle helmet to like be doing these, these like lane maneuvers with this much confidence? That's what I don't understand. Yeah. 
I don't. I just don't have the. I don't have the intention span for me to operate a motorcycle. So I was like, no, no, thank you. No. How are you trying to? I guess on your list of knocking out fears, how are you trying to? I guess attack this fear as far as being afraid of a car wreck. Truly, I am trying to be a better driver. Because, like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I, I did research. Like, I looked up stuff about like how to alleviate traffic jams, and it's like you're supposed to leave like a car length and a half to two car lengths between you and the next person, even if you're in traffic. And that, like, if everybody did that, we would fix traffic. Yeah. And uh, so I just do that now. You know, I don't. I, 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 I like. I, I'm just a very careful driver if I have to be now. You know, like I'll still text and drive on city streets, but you know, I try to. You know, not drink as much. You know, maybe just kind of be a little bit more alert. You know, not not as much banging loud punk music at all times. Just you know, just I'm I, you know, it's it's a whole situational and self awareness that I need to work on in general. But now I'm doing it in my car too. But uh, yeah, no, honestly, I just uh, it's mostly hoping, I guess, at this point, and yeah. and bumming rides from people. Yeah, for me, it's just it's trying to be aware of what everybody's doing and to kind of look, you know, not just at the car length ahead, but try to look as far as I can see down to see if anything yeah. is, there's a ripple effect happening that I need to be aware of because it's easy. This, is, this, this whole conversation hurts because I literally like got in my car yesterday and it would not turn on. So I'm just like, no worries about car wrecks here, baby. Cause I, yeah, no, I, I, I gotta get it towed. Yeah, I've had dreams of being in car wrecks, and so and like me they, too, me all the time. It's my stress dream. Like my teeth don't fall out in my dreams anymore. I get in car wrecks. It's my stress dream. Yeah, I used to have those. I used to have dreams where you're in a car, but you're in the passenger seat, and there's no driver, or you're in the back. Well, that's, your, seat. that's your control issue. Yeah, that's your control issues right there. Yeah, and it's just it's just it's just it's one of my it's one of my I guess you would say stress dreams where you you're watching and. Like you, you're, you're in their dream. Like I'm either in the passenger seat or, and I'm on the highway or I'm in the back seat and I'm like leaning over the back seat, like steering, trying Ooh. to get to the driver's seat and the whole, Ooh. and the whole dream is me trying to get to the driver's seat. And for some reason, not being able to, like, I'm just fumbling around and I can't get my legs over like the hump to get <laughs> to the driver's seat. <laughs> oh, No. So I, I thank you for doing this, Kate. Uh, where, yeah, no problem. Where can people find you on social media? I am at Great Kate House on everything. So it's like my name, but kind of jumbled up. So Great Kate House, you, that's on Twitter, that's on Instagram, that's on uh, Venmo. Oh. The guy fixed my car. And then, uh, yeah, that's, that's about it. I thank you for doing this. Uh, do you have any shows coming up? Uh, yeah, I'll be doing... Uh, Dallas Comedy Club Sketch Cram tomorrow, which I know uh, this will be out long mm-hmm. long after that. But then uh, November 18th, if that's not too soon for the release date of this, uh, November 18th, I'll be doing Tank Trivia also at DCC. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Kate. We'll try. We'll see what we can do about getting this out fairly quickly. If not, <laughs> I, I'll let I'll let them know the results of Sketch Cram. Now, is there a prize for if you're the best sketch on Sketch Cram? Uh, yeah, there's, you get into a final situation, and then it's, uh, I believe, the winning sketch will be performed on a couple of weekends, uh, a couple of weekends as part of their main stage production, and then a voucher for some improv classes. Awesome. Well, good luck. 
Thank you. I'll talk to you again soon. All right. You have a great day. So that was Kate. Man, it's just one of those fears that you just constantly, you know, have to put down every time you start the car and just try to keep your keep your awareness about you to hopefully not endure a car wreck. Check out Kate at greatkatehouse.com. She's an amazing comedy comedian and writer. And she's again, she's going to have a sketch show every month at Dallas Comedy House, I think starting December 11th. So check out Dallas Comedy Club and Kate Greathouse for that show. She's also got other shows coming up, so make sure you follow her. Um, but yeah, what a great interview. And as for me, um, I am off to do my Dave and Buster's duty. Then I'm doing comedy at a cigar bar in Fort Worth tonight with Colton Jones and Matt McElhone. Should be a fun time um, if you're in the Fort Worth area. Be nice to have you, but this will come out the day after that show happened. So we'll talk about that next week. Next week is Thanksgiving. I am nervous about heading home to my mom's because I'll be going Wednesday night and apparently their neighbors will be treating them to Thanksgiving dinner. So it'll be nice to see my mom. I haven't seen her in a year or two since the pandemic started. So I will make my way down to the Texas Hill Country and visit my mother. And thank you for guys for listening to the show. Uh, follow the show if you like it. Uh, leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps the visibility of the show. Also, um, I have shows coming up in January. In January, I'll be in Wichita, Kansas. And then Janu- the second week of January, I'll be in Oklahoma City. And then I'll be at Highness Fort Worth, where I'll be recording my comedy CD. Or at least I'll be intending to. We are still finalizing the deals for the recorder to come out and do that. So come out to those shows. It'll be a great time. Um, I'm not really pumping it up as an album recording. I'm just going to do it as a middle act and just get it and just have all the energy I can. So I'm practicing for that and just getting all my material kind of, I guess, ready for that show. Um, You can follow me at Ryan Perio. And I hope you guys have a happy holidays. Uh, We'll be back. You know, during the holiday season, I will probably release another episode before I leave the Hill Country or at least get one scheduled and then have it released on its normal Monday morning. So thanks again for you guys for listening to some of all fears podcast. Have a great week. And now some thank yous for the folks that make this show possible. Thanks to Barry Whitewater for my art and graphics. You can follow him on Instagram at bwhiteh2o. Get it? H2O, like water. You can also follow him on Facebook. Music. A huge thank you to Gunnar Olson for the wonderful music provided for this podcast. You can follow him on Instagram at gunbuns, that's G-U-N-B-U-N-S, as well as his website, gunnarolson.net. Check out some of the samples that he has recorded. They're amazing. He's an amazing percussionist. If you want to follow the show, we've got a Facebook group, Some of All Fears. Instagram, Twitter, you can find us at Some Fear Fans. 
If you have some feedback for the show, email me at somefearfans, S-O-M-E-F-E-A-R-F-A-N-S at gmail.com. I'll be happy to, to take those into consideration. Also, if you'd like to be a guest, email me at somefearfans at gmail.com. We can try to iron out some details and get that settled in. You know, give us some feedback if on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a review. It makes the show bigger, and it's not going anywhere. I'm going to record as many shows as I possibly can. If you want to follow me on social media, I am at Ryan Perio. It's R-Y-A-N-P-E-R-R-I-O on all social media platforms. You can follow me there. And you can check me out at ryanperio.com, my website. I'll try to list upcoming shows there as well. It's been kind of spotty because as soon as I set it up, that's when the pandemic happened. And everything's kind of just in a, in a holding pattern. Thanks again for listening to the Sum of All Fears podcast. Next week, we'll have another guest with another fear. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.